I'm watching TV at night. I am shitting laughing. I'm high as a kite and I just might watch some family guy. Let me go on. Like I'm Seth MacFarlane's son. Let me go on. Big head Stewie is the one. Funny beats, I stain my sheets from laughing so hard I shit. My girlfriend, she's not around when it's family guy time. Let me go on, like I'm Seth MacFarlane's son. Let me go on, big head Stewie is the one. Giggity, giggity. so hard I shit my girlfriend she's not around when it's family guy time when I'm watching TV and I I am shitting laughing I'm high as a kite and I just might watch some family guy you let me go on like I'm Seth MacFarlane's son let me go on big head Stewie is the one Great. Um, I can't wait to um, edit the show um, because I could not hear a single word of your song parody. I heard a shit every now and then. Are you serious? Yeah, the the violet. So here's here's how Noah records the the parody songs, uh, listeners, uh, or what happens when during this process. Here, uh, he plays the original version of the song. Not the karaoke version, which I'm sure is also available on YouTube or other places. Not just the real version with the real lyrics, and that's fine. Usually, it's quiet enough for me to hear the the song over it, and it's not too not too much. But this time, it's going to be a treat for me in editing, uh, and I can't wait, Chef, because I'm sure it was a masterpiece and a full song parody. Actually, a full song parody. I didn't know that you were going to do that this week. Yeah, this was um, this was a big surprise for you. So, congrats. Thank you. <laughs> I do love I'm shocked you couldn't fucking hear any of that. Um, I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. Uh, frankly, I'm embarrassed. And uh, well, I can't hear pissed. anything on Sunday when we're recording, but during the week when I'm going to be record when I'm going to be editing this, I am going to be laughing my little butt off. I'm pretty sure. Well, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to be like, why did he do that? It sucks. I was. I was. I was. I'll be honest. Was grasping at straws. Was like, what's what's just a? I was even having problems thinking of a fucking song mm, at this okay. level. So I was, I almost texted you and I was like, Mason, tell me what song to do. But then I was like, Mason's gonna tell me to do like, do like bubblegum snap or something like that. I would have said do the like, Numa Numa song. Dude, that's what I'm saying. You would have told me some BS. And I was like, <laughs> God, I don't want to waste. I don't even want to waste my fucking energy, my breath, asking you if you're just gonna tell me the Numa Numa song. So. 
But yeah, you got a full song parody this week, guys, which is cool for you. You don't you get those sometimes. Sometimes you don't. Uh, but this week you did, and yeah. it was a perfect one. It yeah. was a perfect one, and you're gonna be listening to it, and you're gonna be like, "That was perfect," and he should uh, he should do it every week, and he should just do that song every week. I think you should. And I think I will. I think just blister- as quiet as I was doing it yeah, before, so yeah. you can't hear it as well. Yeah, blister in the sun is one song that I think you could hear whenever and and be in a good mood. You know. Speaking of, actually, you know what I did on What's Friday? That? What'd you do? I went to a Chicago White Sox game, my guy. Oh, damn! Yeah, my they, man is going at a baseball game. It was fun. We sat. I went with all my vaccinated friends. We sat in a very. We sat in a vaccinated section. I got a Polish sausage. It was delicious. It was a good day. Yeah, it was a good and game. then you ate, and then you and then you added some food. You sucked a guy's dick. <laughs> <laughs> you sucked a guy's dick who was Polish. And then you right, right, right. There is there is a stand to do that at at uh, White Sox Stadium, and I'm just like, you know, it's been my first time back at Sox Park in a minute. Just gotta go chomp down on some Polish sausage. Well, you know what's interesting about White Sox Park is that it has the, in my opinion, what is what like a bottom five name for a stadium definitely, of all time. Definitely. Do you want to reveal what it's actually called? It's for called everyone Guaranteed Rates Field. Guaranteed yeah. Rate. It used to be what? U.S. Cellular. Well, so bad. Initially, it was Comiskey Park. Yes. Comiskey Park is great. Love Comiskey Park. Did you ever, did you ever uh, go? Nothing against, and people still call it Comiskey. No, they tore down the original Comiskey before I was born. Um, my Damn. uncle actually has th- some original like seats like in his basement from the original Comiskey. Um, I went to... Where he used to suck all the dick before they tore it down. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. 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 Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry, yes, yes, yes. Exactly. 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 No, uh, no, but then, uh, then it was, I think it was Comiskey Park for a, a spell even, like in the new stadium, and then it was U.S. Cellular Field when they won the, the World Series, and then a couple years ago it was Guaranteed Rate Field, and you're just like, you know, with, with U.S. Cellular Field, you could call it the cell, which is cool. Call that is cool call. because you're a big you're a big advocate of prisons, which is cool for you. <laughs> Me- Noah, papa, ching, papa, ching, ching. Um, on your, on your you can't today. call it like the rate or something. Like everyone just calls it either it Sox Park. Shit. It's an awful, awful name. What are your bottom five stadium names? I guess just across sports, maybe if you can think. Uh, of it's interesting because I was literally having this conversation with my dad last night. So this is oh, this is crazy. Cool. Uh, guaranteed rate, definitely the bottom five. Yeah. Smoothie King Arena, where the mm. Pelicans play in New Orleans, mm, not, very not, much at the bottom. Yeah, not. And when you're driving into New Orleans, you see, you can see just a big thing that says Smoothie King Stadium, and you're just like, oh yeah, because you went there right before we met each other. You yeah, were in New Orleans. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's. Congratulations to Miss to the Smoothie King themselves for uh, you know having enough money to buy a stadium, I guess. But it's also at the same time you could name it anything. <laughs> who is who is the Smoothie King? Uh, I don't know. Aragorn, <laughs> the Aragorn Return of the Smoothie King, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Peter Griffin, Smoothie King, Peter Smoothie King, Griffin. Peter Griffin. Yeah, woke Smoothie King, Peter Griffin. He is a woke king in a lot of ways. Is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> the White Sox were pretty good, Mason. They were pretty good. They uh it was a double header, so it was a short game, uh, but they beat Kansas City uh three to one. So Let's go. It was fun. It was a- Do you remember who was pitching for them? 
Uh, no, I don't remember. I do remember having a great time with the people that were sitting in front of us because it was, like, a mom and a dad who were out with their kids for, like, the first time in 15 months. Like, the first time anyone has been out for 15 months, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um... He, this dad got it. The dad got into my good graces early because there's a character. There's a character. There's a player. Um, I believe on either team. I don't remember who he was playing for. Uh, but his name is like yeah. Bintendo or something, or Benatendo or something like that. Benatendi. Andrew Benatendi. Andrew Benatendi. Thank you. And the uh, yeah. the dad like pokes his son on the shoulder and goes, "That guy's name is Nintendo." <laughs> And then the there's kid. also a player on the White Sox team whose last name is Mendick. Mendick? Mendick. M-E-N-D-I-C-K. Okay. And um, that was also a cause of much uh, celebration with uh, with the dad. He thought it was really funny. And his wife like turns to me and goes, I want to get that for him as a Father's Day present. Like a jersey that says <laughs> Mendick. And she's like, but so he doesn't awesome. want it. I'm like, you got to get that jersey for Father's Day, dude. He's like, no, no, no. I don't want it. If... <laughs> and I was saying, like, you know, you should get a matching scent. He's like, no, what I want to do is get the one that says, like, Eaton. Because there's a character. There's no, a, there's a come on, Eaton. Dad. Yeah, Eaton and then Mendic. And I'm just like, I had a, such a fun game time at the ball game, man. I forgot how much fun <laughs> it is to go to the ball game. I don't watch sports when they're on TV or anything like that. But it's such, it's such a good time to go to the old ball game. And actually, maybe this is a pivot into... Into uh, into our announcement. Into our announcement. Before um, you make the announcement, I would just wanted to say those parents were having the best time in their lives, just joking, joking around with a couple other adults because they haven't seen you know an, a functional adult yeah. outside of their you know house yeah. in the last fifteen months. Kids are just standing next to them, middle fingers out, both middle fingers out, going fuck. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a little it was the uh, was, there's was a little boy and a little girl it was the little boy's birthday and one of the uh, the Royals wow. yeah and one of the Royals player like they went down to the because we were pretty close to the field and they went down to the field and one of the players threw a ball at him and it was he caught it and it was really nice. wow yeah. that's so magical actually yeah good for that little kid yeah let's get him on the pod uh, <laughs> just kidding I don't give a shit about him um, um, should we make our announcement now though Mason uh, yes because this is it's on the list with Noah and Mason I'm Mason. I'm Noah, and you knew that already, and but you, maybe you didn't, but, because maybe you stumbled across this podcast on uh, the internet, and you're like, oh, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is this podcast? And then maybe you listen to an episode, and you go, oh, sir, I just won the internet for the day because I stumbled upon a podcast. <laughs> maybe you're doing you that. Were on stu- yeah, you were browsing through Stumble Upon, and you came across our show. Do you remember Stumble Upon? Never used it, but I do remember it. Always thought it was... Didn't make sense. Didn't really know what it was. Didn't really make sense. I can't remember whatever I found on that because uh, I would do it just when I was like bored before class, like maybe my freshman year of college, just like waiting in the hallways or whatever. Just clicking. Oh, you were using it in like 2012? Yeah, 2011, 2012, probably. Yeah. Wow. Which is probably like on I, the tail end of when anyone was using that. Honestly. I did, yeah, I didn't know people used that once Facebook sort of became like a thing. I thought that well, was that's like a the 2008 thing. thing. Right. Well, that was the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did like kind of Facebook uh Facebook come on came on the scene and start to like kind of gobble up uh, a bunch of other, you know, just gobble up the whole rest of the damn internet. But um folks, we do have an announcement to make if this is your first time <laughs> listening to the show. Um Noe and I host this podcast. We have hosted every single episode of this podcast together, the two of us. Um, but True. this one is going to be the last one with both of us for just a period of time. Just a True. short period of time. Because our boy Take Noah. Take it away, Noah. Take no, it away, take Noah. It away. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Because 
Noah is going to be going on a little trip. He got fully vaccinated, of course. Like what you have to do, you have to get fully vaccinated. uh, You have to do that. And uh, I'm going to be driving around the country. This is not a bit. This is not, you know, some, it's on the list, you know, sort of meta commentary or whatever. I am actually leaving the day that this episode comes out. I will be leaving Portland, Oregon, where I currently am, have been for the last 15, 16 months or whatever it has been. And I'm going to be taking a little trip around the country. Uh, I'm going to be driving through most of the country. I'm not going to be hitting up the Northeast. I'm not going to be hitting up (laughs) the Dakotas and the Badlands area and all that. But I will be driving around for two, two and a half months-ish. So the show will still exist. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little bit more infrequently than it is. Like, we put a show out every week. Mason is sort of, you know, taking charge here and taking the helm as far as what that content looks like while I am on my trip. But that's what's going to be happening. So Mason, what will the content be looking like while I'm Right now, I have some I have some fun guests lined up, a couple new timers, um one returning guest confirmed as of today. I'm going to try to do some more reaching out. Um, maybe there's an episode that's just like how Noah did an episode of my favorite podcast during Thanksgiving. That was just Noah's favorite things. Maybe there's a solo Bolo Mason episode. I'm yes. trying to, te- yeah, there, there's going to be though, um, part of Noah's trip, uh, is going, he is going to stop in Chicago and there will yeah, be a so Chicago boys episode of it's on the list. Maybe may, may there will be an episode of Mason and I in person for the first time in since, a long fucking since time. No, since November, 2020. <laughs> November 2019. 2019 even. 2019 even. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, But yeah, but that's, you know, look forward to that. Um, Just keep, I'm invested in trying to keep the the show uh, on the rails through uh, the trip here. Um, But if not, that's my business. (laughs) Pretty much. Noah's, Noah's getting, Noah's getting, Noah's getting time off for good behavior, basically. Basically. free. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be hitting, you'll be, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, Twitter, you know, whatever. Maybe occasionally it's like, hey, this is where I am, but I don't know. I'm not committing to anything as far as documenting the trip, and I'm also not committing to anything as far as, like, not documenting the trip. I haven't decided how online I want to be during that stretch. But at minimum, Mason will keep the show on the rails. You're going to have some returning guests for sure, and some new people as well from what we've talked about as well. So you're going to get a little bit of each. Uh, And then if you stay till to the end of the show – you can hear about what I'm doing on my favorite podcast for yeah. a spell as well during that. So stick around and we'll be right back after 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 some movies and music discussion. So you can wait around for the fucking plugs, which is what you wanted. But is there anything else we need to say other than that's kind of what is on the horizon? No, that's kind of the only housekeeping thing I can think of right now. Um so do you wanna just get into it? Let's just get into it. Did you already say welcome to It's on the List? Did we do that already? We did do that already. Great. No, we'll not do that anymore. Oh, Mason, we got a movie, but we also got an album, and technically we have two albums to talk well, about Well, technically we have well. one album two times. Technically we have one album two times, two separate releases, so technically I'm right, so go fuck yourself on that one. Just kidding. Uh, just I'm, I'm, I am just kidding on that one. Uh, but we do actually have two, two te- separate recordings, but of the same album to, to be talking about today. That's right, everyone. This is a Noe's pick. Noah did a little Joker's trick. 
We're doing Light Upon the Lake by Whitney from 2016 and the demo recordings of Light Upon the Lake by Whitney from 2017. Mason, you ever heard this before? Uh, I have. Not the demos, but the, the album I definitely heard before. And they're a Chicago band. Were they a Chicago staple? Were they getting some Chicago buzz? When no, because tw- so Light Upon the Lake came out in June 20, 2016. Um, and I had heard it for the first time uh, when it was new, basically. Because uh, I was interning at Blumhouse and one of my other intern buddies uh, was also like into music. And this this album came out and he was like, oh, this is really good. So listen to it. And so I listened to the album a fair amount in... Um, 2016. I've never seen them live though. Um, and since I was in Los Angeles and kind of focused on being in that city at that point, yeah. even, you know, um, I wasn't super keen on like what performance or kind of stuff was going on in Chicago, unless it was like stuff that my friends were performing in that I was jealous that I wasn't able to be there for. Right. Right. Um, um, they were in, uh, they were used in the, I think the first season of the show, Easy, the Joe Swanberg Chicago Netflix show. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. I think their cover of No, of You've Got a Woman by Lion, uh, was in, was in an episode. Um, and maybe The River? I don't know. Um, but all to say, I listened to this album in 2016. I liked it at the time. Uh, and... I kind of just didn't care about them after that. (laughs) Okay. Fair. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So now I'm going to tell, now I'm going to tell you what I fucking think. Uh, Okay. On the demo recordings of this album from 2017, there is a cover. I was about to say sample, but they have a cover of the song Southern Nights by Glenn Campbell. By Alan Toussaint. Okay, by Alan Toussaint. Uh, also by Glenn Campbell. Uh, and, it's by both. Alan and, Toussaint wrote it. Not to pick nits, but Alan Toussaint is the, is the songwriter for that. Glenn that's awesome. Song. Glenn Campbell also has a version of it. Um, so we are both correct. Uh, so, I heard that cover of that song in my sophomore year of college. I think at the beginning of my sophomore year of college. Cannot tell you if it was on my Discover Weekly, which I briefly used during my sophomore year of college. Or if it was played to me, I could not tell you how I heard that song for the first time. But I heard it, and I was like, God damn, what a song, what a cover, Yes Chef. Before even before Yes Chef was even in the vernacular of people like you and me, Mason, I was saying, oh yeah, this is great, love this, listen to it all the time. And then basically once I got out of college and never listened to it again, I actually kind of forgot about the song, to be honest with you, until Pandemic came around, and it was late in the Pandemic, Actually, it was probably about a month ago until I rediscovered that cover because I was looking into I was looking into some like music stuff. And I was like, man, what like covers do I really like? And I was like, oh, there's a great cover by Whitney of Southern Nights. And I was like, hell yeah. What a great song. So I was like, damn, I should listen to their album Light Upon the Lake because I never listened to that all the way through. And that's the demo recording that is on. Uh, from the from the cover of Southern Nights, I should listen to the real thing. So about a month ago, I'm doing a walk, and I put out on the album, and I listened to the entire thing while I was on my walk. It's a very short album. It's about 30 minutes long. And I liked every song 
on the album. I thought the album was so fucking good. I was like, why aren't people talking about these these guys? Why? So I listened to their 2019 album, and it wasn't as good. And that's probably why they're not talking about these guys. Did you listen to their up? covers album from last year? I did not. Okay. Is it good? It sounds like Whitney doing everything. You will see the track list of that album, and you're like, I know exactly what this sounds like. Okay. And if that's see. what if that's what you're down for, then cool. But is it candid? Is that what we're yeah, the name of the album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I saw that and I saw the 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 track list and I'm like, okay, I'll try out the Strange Overtones cover. Not a necessarily a bad cover, but I'm just like this sounds exactly like how I expected it to. Uh same with the Hammond song cover. Um I love the song Hammond song by the Roaches or the Rokes, I'm not sure. Um, uh, you might know because it it's cover, it's sampled in, a, in an Avalanche song, which I just realized, um, called, uh, I think, uh, We'll Always Love You or something like that. Um, uh, but they have a cover of it too, and I listened to it, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is exactly what I thought this was going to sound like. Um, damn. So okay. they do have a cover of Take Me Home Country Roads featuring your girl Waxahachie, though. They do, they do. I, uh, think that that is, uh, I like that cover just fine. They also have I'm going to play this. You don't have to keep you don't have to keep this in the part in the episode. You can cut around this, but I just need to hear this just for my own edification okay. just real quick. Okay. So they do have a cover. This is what I thought it was. They have a cover of so the song AM AM, which is originally by Damien Gerardo. You ever heard that song? Uh, I heard it because I was looking at this album a couple days ago, and I was like, I want to know who else they're covering. I like Damien Gerardo, though. He'd be a good show topic, I think. Well, the only reason I even know that song is because it was used in Wild Wild Country, the docuseries on Netflix. Have you ever seen that? Oh, is that the one about the 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 the, sh- the cult? The cult, yeah, in the in Oregon or whatever. Yes, in Antelope Valley, Oregon. Yeah, yes. the the Rajneeshies. <laughs> yeah, the Rajneesh Kapoor. That is, I love that docuseries. I think that that was like. Fuck, docuseries fucking rock, and then Netflix just made a new one every single week. Yeah. They're trying to recapture the glory yeah. uh, of that one because that is such a good docuseries. It's so, it's just perfect. It's so fucking good. It's really good. And that song yeah. by I think, Damien Gerardo, AMAM, yeah. is used in that docuseries. I think about the last couple, like, just like the last minute of that docuseries. Like just like in the last minute in the last episode, I think about how that docu series ended a, a lot, which is like I think people will get into remind this later. me how it ended. I can't remember. Well, it's just more like there's a, forget exactly what she's saying, but they're interviewing Sheila and she's saying this very like kind of intense thing, and then um, like doing this like just this very like kind of intense direct like kind of to the camera thing, and then they like they hold on her for a second, and then the this kind of visage visage drops and she goes, let's all go out for drinks or something like that. Something like that. I don't know if she drinks or not. Um, but it was, it was something like she dropped, she dropped this kind of like really kind of intense protective thing just for a second. And that's like the note that that docuseries ended on. And I'm just like, Ooh, interesting. Uh, interesting. I have to talk about wild, wild country in a minute. Actually, that is, it's a great docuseries. I try and watch the OJ docuseries. Made in America. Made in America. Yeah, I think yeah. that is like the best documentary ever. <laughs> like, I think like it's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wild Wild Country. I don't try and watch every year, but like every like two years or so, when I have the itch for it, 
I'll throw on like the first couple episodes or whatever. I just think it's interesting and well done and so good. And they use the song AM AM by Damien Gerardo in like episode four. Interesting. Or something. Interesting. That, I, that totally flew, I totally went over my head. Um, that's okay. That's fine. But anyway, so that's, that's yeah. But anyway, so Whitney is relatively new to you. Um, in the grand scheme of it. Yeah. Because be- I knew, th- I only really listened to their cover of Southern Nights, which is by Glenn Campbell and also Alan Toussaint. Um, Alan so Toussaint it's first. by both. Alan Toussaint first. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, but I love this album. I love Light Upon the Lake. I was outside when I was listening to it. It was bright outside. I was like, holy shit, let's fucking go. Had two songs like on constant repeat, but I had the album itself. Which two? Polly and Dave's song, mm. uh, specifically Dave's song, probably more so than Polly, but I had those two just on just constant repeat multiple times a day, and I had the album just sort of on repeat as well. Golden Days, No Woman, mm-hmm. On My Own, No Matter Where You Go, like I just had them all on repeat more or less, but Gold, or excuse me, but Dave's song and Polly specifically, and then I was like, well, they have the demos released from this album. Let's take a look. And I like the demos, some of them, even more than I like the originals. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, damn, that's fucking sick. Then I listened to that 2019 album, like I said. What is that 2019 album called? Uh, Forever Turned Around. Yeah. Forever Turned Around. Not as good, personally. There's some songs that I do like on it. I think I remember Valley's My Love is probably the standout on that one. Uh, but I was just like, God, this just feels so sunny and warm and inviting, but also like emotionally resonant and just intense at times. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is kind of exactly what I want to be listening to right now. So uh, I was like, I got to bring this on the show. I've just been really feeling it lately. Uh, and I wanted to talk to, you know, to give it to the on the list spin because this album did have some buzz when it came out, but I think more or less they've sort of become dormant in a way. I think they become dormant. I also just think that um, it, it, this was a, an album that was like kind of that, that hit with like kind of the indie head kind of, you know, like Pitchfork, I guess, crowd in 2016 when it first came out. Um, and I hear this album and I very much hear 2016, you know, Um and I don't know, not necessarily to its detriment, but I just kind of like, since I have, I am returning to this after like, I guess five years since giving it like, it was five years giving the album a top to bottom listen the first time and not like, instead of just encountering a song by Whitney at like a coffee shop or in a TV show or something, um, it's kind of how I was approaching it. And I do agree. I like the the accompaniment in this album. I think that there's a, it's a strong kind of core group of musicians that are making this music, but where there's a disconnect for me is just in kind of the songwriting and the power that's in the vocal performance. You know, I, interesting. I kind, I, my big takeaway every single time that I've listened to this album is just like, there's a lot of songs on here that I think that, um, I forget his fucking name, but the lead singer, who's also... Julian Ehrlich. Julian Ehrlich, yeah. There's a couple songs... There's a a, a handful of songs on this album where his, like, kind of vocal range um, enhances the content of the lyrics. But there's a lot of songs on this where I'm listening to it, and I'm just like, 
I just wish that there was just a little... So they had someone here on this album that was singing songs and giving this just a little more zhuzh. Like, I'm sure if I heard covers of a couple of those songs, I would feel some sort of way around it. But I guess, like, just to get to my... Where I'm at after listening to this album and trying to give it a shot and trying to be more enthusiastic about it than I end up actually being is I just come back to it being like... I kind of wish that the songs were uh, like the songs and the lyrics were about something else that like complemented this music a little bit better. I guess I don't I don't know. It's it's a very Maso Manos album for me at uh, at the end of the day. That's interesting because I actually think that his vocal performance on this album enhances the music. A Fair. Lot. So I'm on the other side of the coin on that one. I guess uh, I well I'll get I'll talk about it a little bit later because I don't want to bring it up quite yet in full, but. Uh, I think it's one of the strong points of the album uh, to me. I, I don't have an issue with mm-hmm. the way in which he's singing. I actually think it creates this, I don't want to say dissonance, but it creates this like interesting dynamic where it's like you have these really strong horns in sometimes and you have these really like awesome licks that they're playing on guitar by Max, I believe it's... Kakashek, I believe is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at times his vocals are very soft and very, like, I don't want to say airy, but like very like, just like writing on top of the words as opposed to like really digging in. Uh, and it sort of creates this interesting dynamic where the music is really driving things and the vocals are... Like I feel like they take turns, and I think that's really interesting. I I, I hear you on that, and I I'm not I'm not disagreeing. It's just like kind of um, I I am fully aware that my like kind of hesitance and my like kind of limitation is just like a personal taste thing for me. You yeah, know, like, it totally is. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, right, right, right. It's just like I this is I I don't dislike this album. It's not like offensive or anything to me. I it's something that I would like could show like my mom or something, and she'd like it a lot. You know, <laughs> sure. Um, or anybody really. Um, but just for me personally, I I like things that. I think you're absolutely right that this is an al- that this is an album that is very consciously trying to stay. It's called Light Upon the Lake for a reason. You know, like it's kind of it's like it's it's very light on top of the surface like that. I don't necessarily think superficial or anything. Um, but it's a very delicate album. It's a very light album, definitely. And just for me personally, I like things that go a little bit deeper. Just a well, little I'm going to make the bit. argument that it does go deeper because this album is called Light Upon the Lake. You've got this kind of sunny sort of warmness that you feel immediately. But if you look into the lyrics and you you know hear what those guys are talking about, this is at lakes. How deep does the lake it go? I like, feel like the deep goes deep. The lake goes pretty deep on this. Very, I feel like. It feels very like kind of Walden Pond almost. You know, like I'm oh, going. To, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But yeah, what's up? Why is it Walden Pond? No, but I just mean like I get the, it's. I just it's a very um, it's it's it feels like it's inspired from like a period of you start with no woman like he's going on like no woman which is one of my favorite songs on the album actually like there's it's yeah. I like a lot of songs on the album. I just, as a whole, it's not quite congealing for me. Um, and I think that they write that kind of, I think No Woman is just a really good, like, just kind of, like, um, rolling, like, almost, like, 
it's 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 one of the it's one of the few songs that's like kind of indie soul like country or something like they're playing they're they're like trying to balance a couple different like genres there and I think that they for the most part hit it off that and Golden Days I think really knock it out of the park for me uh, let me just pull up my Spotify here so I can remind myself which ones I like on the on the regular album uh, on the studio release uh, Golden Days I like Red Moon and I like Follow. Uh, Red Moon was the the one instrumental yeah, it's track. Yeah, instrumental break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then on the demos, I really liked uh, You and Me, which was not an album cut. Yeah, um, they kept it off the album for which, some reason. I don't know. I thought that song was really fun. Uh, I like the demo of No Matter Where We Go on that a little better, and then I like the Follow demo. Um, so maybe Follow is my favorite song upon these across these two things here. Well, it's interesting because the for the majority of the songs, No Woman through Polly, basically, yeah. are about romantic relationships and about right. love and stuff like that. Right. But Follow is about the death of, I believe, Julian's grandfather. Yes, yes. Which is like a weird little, like, and that's know, the it end. doesn't that's the, follow. That's the note a, they end the album on. <laughs> well, it's the note they end the album on, and it's also not congruent with everything else content-wise, which is about... Romantic relationships about women. You know, it's about romantic relationships yeah. for these guys. And it's interesting that they decide to end the album on that, but it is sort of like a saying goodbye type thing. You know, it's like all these, if this was a movie, maybe the A story is the story between the guy and the girl, and the B story is between the guy and his grandfather. And, you know, at the end of the movie, he has to say goodbye to the grandfather and there's some relationship thing with the girl. Maybe yeah. they've broken up or something like that. This is grandfather dies mm-hmm. and he has this moment of reconciliation and he goes back after the girl and things may or may not work out. This is this is this is where I would have this is this is where I wanted the album to be a little deeper and try to connect things a little with a little more effort. I think that this I, I, I really just kind of come back to like I don't necessarily think that going on a trip after a breakup and then like you know maybe losing your grandfather the song Dave's song is about a guy that I think was staying at their apartment with them um or like just kind of like crashing around um I don't necessarily dislike happy and I'm not necessarily against on principle an album that deals with romantic troubles and romantic relationships for me, though, I'm listening to this and I'm paying attention to what they're saying and I'm like kind of listening to the music and really just for me, it all kind of just blends into one. It's so hard for me to kind of just get like distinct kind of thoughts from this. And I guess it's a slight album. It's 30 minutes long, so it's not asking for too much of my time um, or anything like that. But I'm just listening to it and I'm like, I just kind of feel like I'm hearing the same thought over and over again. And then you get to follow, which is this moment of progress kind of. And I think that the, just the craft of that song works so well that it just elevates it, but it doesn't feel like a satisfying end to something. I just, just, just for me though, just for me. I know people really, really like this album. They're a pretty popular band I don't think they are a pretty popular. They're 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 fairly they're a fairly 
like I, my dad man. doesn't know who these people are. My mom doesn't know who these people I'm just are. My sister about folks doesn't in know who general, these people are. I guess maybe millennials, man, because you're millennial Gen Z cusp, and you know, a, a fair probably more people that are younger. You know, that, that would you could age it, but like millennials and you know, slightly older. It's just kind of uh, I got kind of Whitney'd out <laughs> in 2016. <laughs> Weird, man. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I hear what you're saying. You can have. It's fine. I don't agree. I think that the. I think it is a very satisfying listen all the way through. So I guess we're just we're just not gonna see eye to eye on this one. That's fine. I will say. I will say though. I did prefer the demo kind of cuts of most of these songs because I think that like kind of little, it not coming, not sounding so like kind of polished and nice put that edge into it that I was looking for. Um, And I think that actually, uh, (laughs) truthfully, when you said, let's do Light Upon the Lake and then Light Upon the Lake demos, I was like, why would I give a fuck about what a Whitney demo sounds like? Um, But after listening to it, I'm like, no, this is actually, that's, that's, that's on me. You know, that's on me being a little, a little, little, little butthead. Piece of shit. Little piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I listened to it and I'm like, no, these guys are, these guys and the, the, uh, Max and Julian and then the band that they formed, it's a solid bunch of, of musicians. Um, it sounds like I bet going to a Whitney show would be during this era would probably be a lot of fun. And speaking of the fact that we got the light upon the lake and the demo recordings, I actually put together what is the ultimate way to listen to these together. Okay. Okay. For us. So I'm going to go track by track. Share the Spotify playlist with me, chef. I'll give it another shot. Uh, No, (laughs) you are banned. You are banished from the Whitney realm as far as I'm concerned. Uh, So here's how we're going to do this. You got to start off with the album, the original album release of No Woman. Yeah, pretty great song. Uh, pretty great song. Great song. Great, great song. Great way to start the album. It was definitely their biggest hit, at least as far as plays on Spotify yeah. is concerned on this. And probably their most probably their most popular song, I would guess. But Yeah, I was looking up, I was trying to find just like contemporary, just like kind of writing about Whitney from this period. And I, so I looked him up on, I looked up Whitney on Stereo Gum. And once you filter through, like, you know, Whitney Houston and other artists that are named Whitney, um, there's a decent number of, like, their contemporaries that have covered um, No Woman and Golden Days, I believe, were, like, the the top two, like, kind of um, sort of covers that I saw getting getting passed around from other artists, which is interesting. Those are my two favorite songs, I think. I believe it. I mean, I think those are probably the most popular and just maybe the most successful in terms of, like, Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not no successful, but there's some other songs on here that I think really take the cake. But you got to start off with the album cut, the original album cut of No Woman. Mm-hmm. It starts off really soft, but it's also sharp. The keys and the horns really fucking hit hard. The demo version is more or less the same. It's just a little bit more on the dreamier side of things as far as the sound, I think. Uh, so definitely start off with the album cut of, uh, of No Woman. Then The Falls, probably mm. my least favorite song. Just in in, in in the entirety uh, mm-hmm. of both of the albums. the I would say the demo version is probably the one to go just because I like the way it builds a little bit more at the end. But honestly, mm-hmm. like, don't have a lot to say about the falls just in general. Uh, Golden Days, you got to go with the album cut of Golden Days. Really nice and sunny. It's simultaneously looking back at a relationship and looking forward into the future at a relationship. Yeah. There's no reason to really, like, fuck with the demo version. Yeah. I think that there is some... I think it's a little busier sounding. I think there's like more going on, and it feels like in the dem- in the album cut they sort of refined it to what exactly yeah. they wanted yeah. in the mix. So I got it. Yeah, 
I gotta say, brother, I was listening to that song a lot when I was interning at Blumhouse, and I don't want to dox where Blumhouse is, but I would leave that internship and put on Golden Days and drive down um, Sunset Boulevard. Okay. <laughs> Sunset don't want to it, but it's on Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard is <laughs> along... Hey, they could have moved also. What do I know? Um, True. But, um, so, you know, when you're driving down Sunset Boulevard and you just can kind of, like, see, like, the kind of the, the sun setting behind the hills, you know? Yes, dude. And then... I'm searching for those golden days, and then da, 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 yes, da, the way that those last those background vocals come again. That's really I, that is an ideal way to listen to that song. I think I agreed. I, I got nothing against golden days. Same. I don't got nothing against golden days either. Uh, Dave's song, which is the fourth track on the album, probably my favorite song. It did kind of ruin the song for me though when I found out what the song was actually about. Yeah. Uh, because you think it's about uh, a woman. It's actually about a 350-pound man who used to live next door to them when they would practice and ruin their practice sessions. So uh, that is from them. That is not conjecture. That is what they say the song is about. And it's actually written as a joke, and that actually kind of pisses me off because it's a beautiful song. Uh, but you got to go with the album cut of that one. Yeah. Uh, the demo version is really nice as well because it's slowed down. You'd probably take either, but I just can't get the original out of my head as far as that's concerned. Uh, Light Upon the Lake, the title track. You got to go with the uh, the album cut on this one. It's probably their most Stuthion Stevens sounding song. It's also uh, not the, the demo track. Really at all. Nice. You want to hear what my you want you want to hear what my weird hot take is? Yes. Um, let's say that let's uh, instead of calling this Light Upon the Lake, let's say that they keep you and me on it, and then they rename the album to You and Me. I feel like that would kind of that's good. Sum up the themes a little bit better. There you go. Not saying that I, I don't know if I would like the album more, but that's like just kind of my little my little take. I would kind of think that that would have been a better. That they should have leaned into the fact that this is a relationship album. I think that like they, I don't necessarily think they're trying to obscure anything, but I'm just like I if you're gonna make it about that, make it about that. Mason, you gotta get in touch with these guys. You gotta tell them to reissue the album. Hello, Whitney. Hello, <laughs> hello, Whitney. You stupid sacks of shit. It's me, Mason McGuire. No, I want to sit down with Whitney herself. Where's Whitney? Hey, Whitney. It's me, your cousin, Mason. Mason McGuire. Mason Whitney. <laughs> Mason Whitney. You heard of you heard of that new sound you were talking about? That new title you were talking about? Well, listen to this. It's a song you wrote called You and Me. It's a great demo. I don't know why they left it off. Definitely add it to your uh definitely add it to your overall listening of this. Now here's where I might get a little controversial. I think the demo version of No Matter Where You Go is the best of any of these tracks. I think that it is slow mm, and beautiful mm-hmm. and just makes me feel like the night is never going to end and it makes me feel like a teenager and makes me feel just like heartachy all over and I j- that's you have to go for the demo version of No Matter Where You Go. I uh, think it just rips into you. I definitely agree with that. That was one of my favorite of the demos there. Um, the fact that it you think is the best song, ooh, I got to re-listen because what... What if I agree with you? What, what if, if you I agree? What if I agreed? <laughs> You're not going to because you what hate this you... album. No, no, you must choose between the album, co- the album version of No Matter Where You Go, or the demo of No Matter Where You Go. I don't like that. I'm going after the demo. <laughs> I'm going after the demo. Going you get, after yeah, the demo. you get to the the quarry, and it's actually the album version, and then your girlfriend explodes. It's too bad. Yeah, that is shitty. Uh, then you got to go with the demo version of On My Own. I like how it's fuzzier and cruncher, crunchier. It makes the emotion pop a little bit more on that one. Mm-hmm. But I'm still not. I think On My Own is probably one of my lesser tracks overall. Uh, same. 
Uh, Red Moon, just keep Red Moon just as it is. It doesn't even appear on the demo version. Uh, Polly, I think you got to go with the demo version, even though you really could go with either. I just think that the slowed down nature and sort of taking its time with each, I feel like each keystroke on this version of Polly. So uh, I like the reflective nature really shining through on this one. So you got to go with that. And then I think you go with the demo version of Follow, personally. Uh, I think that it just encapsulates the emotion of moving forward, but also looking back as well. I think that that's two things that this is doing Mm -hmm. uh, really well, is the album is very reflective, and then at times when it wants to be very much looking into the future, but based on the things that it talks about in the past. Got it, got it. And then the Southern Nights cover, just great. Just throw it on there. It's on the demo version only. But that's my definitive ranking or definitive way to listen to the this. No we, the Noe Cut. The Noe Cut. This is the Machete order. Uh, yeah. Noe Kills. This is the Noe Kills order. Uh, Mason, I feel like we talked about this album to death. Do you want me to give you some fast facts now? I'd love to hear a fast fact or, or a couple about this album here. One or two or five or 17 for a sec. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whitney is an American band from Chicago, Illinois. That's where Mason's from as well. Wow, who would have thought? Which formed in 2015 and signed to Secretly Canadian... Our friends at Secretly Canadian, they're They're back. back. Uh, The band was formed shortly after the breakup of... This band was formed shortly after the breakup of members Max Kakasek, I believe is how you say it, and Julian Ehrlich's band Smith Westerns in late 2014. After the breakup of Smith Westerns, Kakashek joined drummer Julian Ehrlich, who also played drums for Unknown Mortal Orchestra to form Whitney. As roommates, the duo shared songwriting duties, which Ehrlich became the main vocalist in. Initially, the band was featured the members of the Touching Voids, Ehrlich's previous band. During 2015, the band played around 30 shows, mostly in support of other artists. This included Tobias Gesso Jr., I don't know who that Mm. is, who got the band in contact with Jonathan Rado, who is the producer of this album. No wonder I fucking like this album, because Rado's involved. Uh, In September of that year, they joined Rado in his L.A. studio, which is also his L.A. home to record. Uh, In January 2016, they released Snow Woman, supported video, and toured Europe in anticipation of the album. In May 2018... The band and Waxahachie released covers of Take Me Home, Country Roads, and Rain. Ehrlich outlined the approach to songwriting as, quote, When we were writing for Whitney, we were doing what we wanted to do. The music was really freeing. Paul Lester in The Guardian described the band as, Think Boney Vare with elements of folk and country, only given a Chicago soul makeover. They cite Levon Helm and Alan Toussaint as inspiration, of course. There we go. Light Upon the Lake is the debut studio album by the American rock band Whitney, released June 3rd, 2016 on Secretly Canadian. The album is Max Kakashek and Julian Ehrlich's first release since the breakup of Smith Westerns. Uh, in regards to No Woman, oh, this is on the Lyric Genius. This is a verified annotation on the Lyric Genius oh. of No Woman. Oh, so Whitney he herself that, said that this was true. Whitney herself. On No Woman, quote, We re-recorded the line... I left drinking on a city train five times because I thought it sounded like high life drinking the city train. And that is unacceptable. That is a verified annotation from the band on their Lyric Genius page, as well as this verified annotation about Dave's song. Dave was probably 350 pounds and would come to our apartment without a shirt on with a half drunk bottle of champagne. Do you know the Tupac Thug Life tattoo? He has that same tattoo, but it says outlaw, and it covers a little more ground because, like I said, he's 350 pounds. He's a crazy-looking dude. He has a ponytail and some weird skin going on his face. We were kind of scared and intimidated of him, and we were walking on eggshells around him. We didn't want to piss him off because he seemed like a really crazy dude that could get violent if we told him to get out of the apartment. 
And that's it. <laughs> that's all. Those are all the fast facts you, that I have. Did you uh, mention that I believe it was Julian Ehrlich was the drummer for Unknown Mortal Orchestra for a while? I did say that at the beginning. Okay, just making sure. Just because I really like the band Unknown Mortal Orchestra, and I think it's cool that he was in that band. Uh, Apparently, they're an amazing show to see live. I could imagine. Orchestra. I could imagine. My Mercedes Valuable Player is actually a co-Mercedes Valuable Player, Mason. Can you believe that? Uh, no. Let's do it. You can't believe that I have a co-Mercedes <laughs> Valuable Player that's unbelievable to you? Uh, I don't believe anything anymore. <laughs> I knew that about you, actually. That's crazy <laughs> that you, you are a freak. Uh, my co-Mercedes Valuable player first goes to Max Kikishek's guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the guitar in this. I think the guitar rips through each song in a very specific way, sometimes in a very gentle way, sometimes in like a very Eric Clapton, like slow but powerful way, and then sometimes it just shreds. So I think it's very versatile. I think it does a lot for the album. And then I also, my opinion, Mason does not share this opinion, I like Julian Ehrlich's vocals on this. I think they do the songs very well. I'm going to give a full recommend to both, but I would give a most full recommend to my version, my machete order of how to listen to these, my little Noe's choice. Mason, what is your Mercedes Valuable Player, and do you recommend? My recommend, uh, my Mercedes Valuable Player, rather, is uh, the trumpet in this album. I like the little touch of trumpet that you get in all these tracks. I should I should have looked up the trumpeters' names so I can give them due credit, but uh, maybe that will be something that I put in the notes uh, at the end of the show. I'm gonna here. tell you right now, but keep going. I'm gonna look it up. Um, in terms of recommending, it, like I said, I'm pretty maso manos on this, but I think I fall a little far, a little closer to the side of Moss. I don't think that, like I said, this isn't an offensive album. It's just for my particular taste, very kind, uh, very slight. That doesn't necessarily mean that people are going... I think most people would listen to this and honestly feel the same way that I did. Um, all to get to the point that I'm going to just give this a regular... Um, I'm going to give the... Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to give Light Upon the Lake, the album cut itself, uh, just a little little light recommend, actually. little light recommend. Wow. I'm going to give a slightly more enthusiastic... Uh, recommendation to the demos just because for my particular ears and taste the kind of edginess and the unfinished nature of it I I think it's a little bit more interesting Um, but that's where I am at that did you have the name of the the trumpeter in this band here Will Miller Will Miller you can you can toot a fucking horn brother good job okay that's it let's move on movie time Let's all go, go to, to the, the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. And try to reconnect with my husband snacks. who may have given me up to the Nazis. And is also a Nazi himself, possibly. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay, Mason, what the fuck are we talking about today? Folks, we are talking about Christian Petzhold's 25th. 2014 actually um uh <laughs> period noir drama kind of uh movie phoenix phoenix we're snap, talking snap, phoenix snap, 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 starring nina haas snap. um based off of the book uh i think return from the ashes um noe what was this movie on your radar at all before i changed my mind about what i wanted to talk on the show about on the show this week <laughs> 
Yeah, in the 11th hour. Just kidding. You gave me a lot of time, and I appreciate that as a good host and good friend thing to do to give your friend enough warning with when you want to change the thing. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I think uh, I went like tw- I think I like sat on my initial choice for 24 hours before I changed my mind. But we don't have to talk about that now. <laughs> you sat on your nuts for a full 24 hours and said, "I can't do this." I yeah, it was Mr. Yeah, it was Mr. Mr. Belvedere or whatever. <laughs> What is the thing about Mr. Belvedere sitting on his nuts? Oh, maybe I don't know if it's Mr. Belvedere, but it was some uh, like some network sitcom from the late '80s, early '90s, and it was like uh, a butler with like some rowdy kids or something. And they had they shut down production for a day because the actor who played the butler like sat on his nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Like an old ass man with like droopy balls or something. He just like sat and like right on a nut. And like he's like, I gotta go to the hospital or something. Like, I gotta. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just like they're going for a take or something like that, and action in this life. I think it was like, at like the table reading or something. Even like, <laughs> even fucking lamer than that. But just imagine, just your line is like, kids, stop running in the house, and you sit down as you're saying that. <laughs> just sitting down, kids, stop running in the holy fuck! I gotta go to the hospital right now. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, yes, I had heard of this movie, Mason, to answer your question. <clears throat> Do you want to know how I heard about this how, this movie, Mason? Please. Okay. So what happened was, is this didn't come out in the U.S. until 2015. That's right. But correct. it came out internationally in 2014. So when it came out in the U.S., Portland is not a major hub for, like, art house releases. But that being said... There are a couple places that you can go to see some art house releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably for me and my time going to see art house releases or indie releases or non-major theatrical releases were two places mainly. One was at the Fox Tower in Portland. It okay. is a place that has basically there's like a news studio. The Fox like local affiliate in Portland is like in part of this tower, and then they also have a movie theater. In mm. this other, in the other part of the tower, and they have an Elephant's Deli, which is like a local, a very, very local chain. I think there's like three locations at most of this place, but it's very good. Mm. Uh, and I would go there. I saw Whiplash at the Fox Tower. Oh no shit! Uh, I saw Jodorowsky's Dune, that documentary, uh, at the Fox mm-hmm. Tower. Mm-hmm. Saw I Tanya at the Fox Tower mm-hmm. when I was home for winter break or whatever that for that holiday season. Uh, so there, I saw some good stuff there. Maybe even saw. Maybe even saw Birdman there. Maybe not, though. No, I didn't see Birdman there. Uh, I saw that at the Century 16 Cinemark. But then the other place where I would go into Portland, because I was living in the suburbs. That's where my family was living. It still does. I would have to take either drive-in or take public transit, and the public transit, as we've established, not as good as Chicago or New York. Uh, And I would go to this place called Cinema 21. Cinema 21, a little bit easier to get to because it's not quite in the heart of downtown. It's like just as you're entering Portland from Beaverton. It's in the northwest part of Portland, colloquially known as Northwest 23rd, even though it's on Northwest 21st Street. And I've only seen three movies at this place. Okay. I've seen Neon Demon Okay. there, which mm-hmm. I think is a shitty movie. I think it's bad. Uh, Don't Think Twice, which is that movie with Keegan-Michael Key. Chris yeah, Decker, the improv right? movie. The improv movie. Literally, yes, the improv movie. Uh, and The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Mm. Those are the three movies that I've seen there. I think I saw one other movie there in their small room because they have a large grand auditorium and then like two small theaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I don't remember what the other one was. I think it maybe it was like a documentary or something. But uh, 
All to say I didn't see this movie in theaters, but all to say that my friend saw it at Cinema 21, and I wanted to shout out Cinema 21 and some of the local theaters in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, because we talk about L.A. theaters, we talk about Chicago theaters, we don't talk about Portland theaters ever on this show. No, and it's nice. I like to, hear about, nice. I like to hear about Town's nice little theaters. But my friend went to see this, and she said, I just went to go see this movie called Phoenix. Have you heard of it? I said no. She was totally enamored with it. And the thing that I remember her saying about it for all these years when she saw it in 2015, is she says it has one of the best endings I've ever seen. And I said, okay, very cool, good to know. And I didn't know what the movie was about. She told me it was like a like a Holocaust, like World War post-World War II type movie, and I was like, okay, doesn't really super capture my interest, you know, whatever at the time, uh, so I'm not going to fucking see this movie. And then I also knew that it had a Criterion release this very is, shortly it. after it came yeah. out, and that's all I knew about this movie. Uh, cool. That it, it does have a Criterion release. I do not own the Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, here is my history with this movie. Yeah. Much like uh, I'm sure we talked about it on this podcast. This is a movie I saw at the Music Box Theater Let's in Chicago. Go. I saw this in the small theater at the Music Box. As much like was it Cinema Twenty One that you were saying yes. was the big screen? Yes. So this the Music Box has the big auditorium. Um, and then they have a smaller, like kind of uh, a smaller space, like just when you like just just as you enter in like the music box, like kind of theater building, basically. It's like probably sure. an old storefront or something. Uh, they put a they put a theater in there at some point. Uh, I saw Snowpiercer for the second time in that theater. I saw Ida there, uh, the Pavel Pavlikovsky movie, and then I saw Phoenix uh, for sure in that small theater. Maybe oh maybe Tangerine actually. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Tangerine okay. at Midnight. Um, but to get back to Phoenix, I saw this movie, I want to believe, believe um, August of 2015, right before my senior year of college, because uh, I was feeling like I wanted to go to a movie, and I wanted to go to a movie with my bud, Sonny Dion Jr. Let's and go! So I, and he lived around the corner from, well, he lived very close to the music box. It was, a, it was a good, like, kind of meeting point for the both of us. And so I texted him, like, let's go see, I want to see a movie, I want to hang out and see a movie. He's like, the only thing I really want to see is Phoenix. And I'm like, yeah, I hear that the ending is great. The, the way the reason the people the way the people are going gaga over this ending, it makes me really curious to see what it is. And so we went. And um, I was thinking about this, watching this movie. And I think 2015 was a very good year for movies. Now, let me, not to get too ahead of, of the okay. discussion here, uh, but 2015 was also the first year that I was on Letterboxd in some capacity. I think I signed up Damn. on, yeah, I signed up on um, Labor Day of 2015, right before my senior year of college started. And I believe the first movie that I logged uh, was when I rewatched um, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, okay. But here was my top five of 2015. Uh, and I honestly, I, I still stand by this. Coming in at number five, we got Mad Max Fury Road. Yes. Coming in at number four, we got Henry Gamble's Birthday Party. Are you familiar with Henry Gamble's Birthday Party? I just watched that movie literally the other night. No shit, brother. Well, we can talk about that off mic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I live by. I literally just watched that. No shit, brother. Uh, number three, uh, Andrew Hayes, 45 Years. Seen that number two? Phoenix. I think I've seen that movie. I think I've seen Phoenix. And uh, number one is Carol. Um, all to get to the point that like I could rearrange that top five list however I wanted. Like any of those would be my favorite movie of that year. Um, and rewatching the movie for the pod, I was like, this movie. Well, here's my here's my take. This <laughs> movie fucking rocks. <laughs> there we go. He said it, folks. He said it. 
Um, I loved it then. Um, I was blown away by it. I was, I was really, really, really taken by it. And I, uh, have been meaning to rewatch it for years. And initially what I wanted to bring on the show was <laughs> Christopher Guest for your consideration because I had yes. just, yeah, cause I had just rewatched, um, waiting for Guffman and I've been curious to rewatch for your consideration cause it's his only non mockumentary movie. But I'm just, I, I, I sat on it for, I sat on my balls like Mr. Belvedere about it for 24 <laughs> hours. And I was just kind of like, Phoenix is on the Criterion Collection. Why don't we just do that instead? Because I've been meaning to rewatch it. Why don't we just do that? Um, so that's my history with Phoenix. I hadn't seen it since August of 2015. And so it's been about six years, basically five and a half years. Uh, I be- It held up for me. I was really pleased with it. But Noe. Yeah. How do you feel about this year of motion picture? So, I hate that I'm about to say this, but I'm going to say this. Are you ready? These last couple weeks have just been fucking busy for me. And I fell asleep trying to watch this movie when I tried it the first time. I just was so tired. I just fucking fell asleep like 50 minutes in. Like, actually, I can tell you exactly where I fell asleep because I remember when I turned it back on the second time, I was like, fuck, okay, this is where I fell asleep because I couldn't remember. It was when she's coming back into the house after he tells her, like, go outside and, like, re-enter. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I I fell asleep around the 50-minute mark, put it back on, and then when I tried to watch it the second time, there was just, like, intermittent leaf blowing happening, like, in my neighbor's yard or something like that. Like, it would be, like, like every 10 or 15 minutes, it would just hear, (laughs) for, like... (laughs) Like, literally, like, five minutes straight, and I'm like, this is fucking terrible. I have to talk about this movie on the fucking pod tomorrow. I've tried to watch this movie twice now. Huh. So, this was kind of, this was, the, I, I, everything that I'm about to say about this movie, mm-hmm. like every, like always, but I don't feel as strongly about this movie given the circumstances, and that's what I don't like to say. I like to come in with <clears throat> firm ideas about the movie, whether I feel strongly about it one way or the other. But I ju- it just so happened that this week, the week that we are recording, before, I just the don't last have- record before you take a road trip. <laughs> yeah, I just don't have like that strong of feelings. I do have ideas about the movie in which I saw, but all is to say, especially this week, take it with a grain of salt. I would really like to rewatch this movie in a theater setting. Uh, yeah, if I'm going to rewatch it again, but I do also have some biases about this kind of movie going forward that have nothing to do with my environment and the things that are going on Mm -hmm. outside of this show first and foremost being i think we've i think we've hammered this point home on the show before you are much more into noir than i am yeah that is just something that you like a lot more than i do i don't even necessarily dislike it but it's never top of my list and this movie is interesting because it sort of melds genre together the genre of this movie is very it's not it's not hard to pin down but it's just oh there's some film noir. Oh there's some like dra- like drama romance happening. Oh there's like a historical drama as well. And you meld all those three things together and that's what you end up getting tonally yeah. in this movie, yeah. which is very interesting. It's just three things that I'm not super hot on but also not super like not hot on either. I just feel very lukewarm about all three of those things. Mm-hmm. That being said, thought it was all right. <laughs> thought it was all right. Thought it was fine. Uh, Nina Gloss is unreal 
in yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, just an absolutely fucking stunning performance. And the ending kind of really does live up to the hype uh, as far as what I had heard about it. I think it's a little bit hard to track uh, just as far as, like, remembering, like, everything that's going on uh, in the movie as far as, like, okay, this is sort of the veneer of this and this is the relationship. And maybe that's just because, I, like I said, I'm tired as fuck when I was watching this. But, uh, yeah, I liked it enough. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Kind of lukewarm on it, my sure. friend. But, uh, like sure. I said, I have some extenuating circumstances going on in my life you right know, now that made it a little hard to focus, I will say. Sure. You know, it's funny. I had a not um, – so I saw it in the theater, you know, so I was in a little more yeah. controlled environment than that. But I had – there there were two times at the music box, and it was at the music box specifically where, like, I showed up to the theater. I, like, sat down. I, like, sat through the trailers, no problem. The movie starts – I kind of start to nod in and out and then like maybe 20 minutes, half an hour into the movie, something happens and I just like kind of jolt awake and then I'm like locked in. It happened with this movie. (laughs) I was like, I don't know what was going on in August of that year, but I was just like kind of sitting in the theater and just like kind of being a little like, uh, you know, until um, uh, Johnny brings... Uh, brings Nellie into the basement, like after she meets him, like actually uh, meets him at the cabaret where he's working as like a, 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 a fucking what's his a name, bar, like a bar, a bar back or something. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and brings him to like his shitty, like kind of concrete gar- basement apartment, basically. Um, and well, that's kind of where the movie starts, more or less, as far as like the real like driving action of the movie. There's yeah. a lot of setup that happens. Most of all of the first act is set up, and part of the second act is set up too. It this takes is a, a while very, to get there, and I appreciated it on this watch more. It's a very like um, there is the first act is very much like kind of a first act. Like it takes place in one like in one location more or less with two characters basically, and then the second act break happens and they move to Berlin and there's you know this, these other signifiers and stuff like that that the plot is moving along. I didn't really, since I was, maybe it's just because I was nodding in and out the first time that I watched this movie, I did, it took me until this watch to really just kind of, like, appreciate that Christian Petzold was being really, really, really just, um, uh, maybe patient isn't quite the right word. Maybe deliberate? Deliberate, thank you. Yeah, with how he's setting up the character of Nelly, you know, yes. and how she is... She's a Holocaust survivor, the only survivor from her family. Um, uh, she survived the, the concentration camps, and when we meet her, she is, like, kind of... Her face is completely bandaged up, kind of like Face of Another style. Movie I've never seen. Seen the poster a lot, so there, if you've only seen the poster... Face of, face of Another poster style. Face of Another poster style. <laughs> um, and... The first act is just, like, who... Basically gonna be, like, who... This person can be anybody, and who does she want to be? She wants to, like, return to, basically, pre, <laughs> pre-Holocaust pre life. Like, yeah. she wants to recreate her face exactly as what it was. She wants to go back with her husband, um, and just kind of live her, live her life like that. And what I think is... So, this movie is an adaptation of a book called return from the ashes. I believe I've not read the book, but in September of 2016, it was the second part of a double feature that I went to at the new Bev. Oh shit. The return from the ashes, the movie, um, starring Lee Jacob. 
yes, thank you very much. And the interesting thing about that... I'm sorry, J. Lee Thompson. I got that. Direct, oh, directed by J. Lee Thompson, starring I can't think of who is. But here's the, what's interesting about it is, like, I forgot that that was, like, the source for Phoenix. And I'm sitting and I'm watching this movie, and I'm kind of... In the first, like, 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, why does this feel so familiar? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Basically, the ending of Phoenix happens 20 or 30 minutes into Return from the Ashes, and then there's the rest of a movie that happens, basically. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah, so this movie is like a feature-length, just like, first act of its own, you know? And honestly, I think that the movie is stronger for it. I think that the movie is stronger that it finds... And he, honestly, to my memory, Return from the Ashes isn't as in, as focused on uh, the Nelly character, but I love that this movie is just um, a, a, a movie about somebody who is putting up with... It's a movie about self-deception on some level, I feel. You know, because she is putting up with this charade, playing herself, ironically, you know, yes. um, with this, this man who... It's interesting. There's a subtext of this movie that it's like, you can only really the only way to maybe really know somebody is if you are somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like the only or what I'm trying to say is like the the movie doesn't do like kind of flashbacks or anything to show you this um, this marriage. It's all straightforward. It's all straight ahead, and it's all just kind of like in the last like kind of two weeks while um, Johnny is trying to he thinks um, scam a family out of their inheritance. He doesn't realize that he actually has his real wife alive in front of him um, because of some things that we find out about him. And I think that this movie has that kind of like just the tension that kind of just like the tension of self-deception and how long she's going to hold on to this lie and what how if it's going to come out like what it's good. You know, what's this resolution going to be? What's this ending going to be? Um, That is like kind of carrying that whole movie for so long. And that is just like when a movie does that for me, like when it just holds on to this, like kind of just t- this tension for so long. And then there's just this perfect release at the end. For me, there's nothing better for me. There's really nothing better. I know that it's like some pe- it might be like, I think about that Roger Ebert um, phrase about the, the usual suspects. It's a long walk for a short day at the beach. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 I don't think that that's applicable in this case because it like the ending of this movie, um, ties everything up and I think like it, it it ends on a note of kind of um catharsis phoenix like you know rising from the ashes like basically like you get the sense at the end of this movie that there's going to be a positive direction for this character basically uh, um it is almost a long walk for a short day at the beach I think because at first when I thought about it again in terms of like story plot elements and sort of like paying la- p- p- planting things and then paying them off, the initial reaction to the ending is like, wow, that's exactly what needed to happen. Like it feels inevitable. It feels like exactly what needs to happen. And then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, who cares? Like, like I literally had that thought of like, mm-hmm. okay, like w- why bother? Like who cares about this? Uh, what does this do for me? Uh, and I think that it's interesting because obviously this is set in post-World War II Germany. The Holocaust has happened. And it's almost like 
what am I willing to put up with on a societal level of these remnants of this terrible thing that happened in our society to these people in order to tell myself, oh, well, like, I can still believe in this power. I can still believe in this entity and it will still do good. When in reality, no, she has to make a life for herself. She can't rely on anything like in this society, in this not in the way that the Nazis yeah. were. You know, yeah. it has to be yeah. totally rebuilt from the ground up. They have to start over. It didn't work. And that I think is cool. That I think is a very cool ending if you want to look at it in that historical perspective. So in some ways, I almost thought that it was that Ebert quote of a long walk for a short day at the beach. Ultimately, I don't think it is. Uh, but again, like I said, kind of had a rough one with this one only in like an environmental sense and in a sense where it's like, fuck, man, like, I don't know. It, 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 I think that the movie is really exciting at times. And I think that in other times it is very slow and not exciting. I think that the tension for me comes and goes. I think that the handwriting scene is one of the best scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that the opening sequence from when you first meet them, I think the opening scene in the movie is fantastic. I think it sets up a really interesting character. And that dream sequence that she has when she's getting the operation, I think is yeah. so beautiful and I wish that that was more the movie I wish that the movie felt a little bit more like that because I loved that part so much and it really kind of strays away from that it really kind of that's sort of a false flag in terms of tone and style uh, in the movie it's very bare and very straightforward and very much focused on the people that this movie is about Um, but yeah I don't know for me it's almost a short day at the beach like a long walk for a short day at the beach Ultimately not, but again, I'm not as hot on this movie as you are. I would like to rewatch this movie in on a big screen where I'm not going to fall asleep, where there's not a leaf blower happening, and I'm not getting ready to go on a trip. I'm just, that's yeah. just sort of where I'm at right now. So right, right. I don't really have a lot else to say about it other than I think that it's fine. It's not bad. I'm kind of where you are at almost on the Whitney album where I like parts of it a lot and I just don't have a lot of feelings about it otherwise. You know gotcha. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can understand that. And I understand, you know, that this is a very, you know, the fact, it, the fact that it is sort of like a, uh, it's not quite a neo-noir because it's not a contemporary film, but it's very much like a noir throwback in a sense. It totally is. Um, And if you want to look at it from that way, I do think that this might be a good, like, kind of toe dip into that world, especially if you don't want to... Start with the big boys, you know, like your Maltese Falcons or your uh, your Big Sleeps or fuck, I don't know, like the, the Big Sleeps. What are that? This podcast? Oh, waka waka! Woo! All right, I'm, I'm done podcasting. I'll see you later. <laughs> see ya, Mason. Bye bye. Mason just went. Mason, are you going downstairs? Mason, can you get me something? <laughs> I got some chips. Mason, what, this is not a visual. This is not a visual media. But Mason literally is walking down the stairs. Yeah, and he's coming, walking I'm back com- up the sorry, stairs. I'm, I'm like, my holy shit! How'd you do? That? Uh, yeah, I'm coming. Whole recording <laughs> apparatus <laughs> with me down into my basement. Oh shit! There's that oh shit! Rat. We gotta kill a rat. Oh, Mason! Mason, get no one get down here. The rat's got me up against the fucking wall. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, you definitely didn't have the ideal scenario, and really, I would be, 
I would be. I think that if you gave this movie another shot, you would marginally like it better. I would. I'm not expecting you to be as enthusiastic about this movie as I would be. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I really do. Th- like, I all to bring it this. This you know the 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 movie onto the the podcast and just to make the point that it. I I think that your experience is one that shared. It was especially shared by me. Where like you're kind of in the first half hour of this movie. And you're like I don't know where this is going to go. I think that this is a movie that really rewards. Um, your patience, I think. And it's Absolutely. Not, it's asking for less than 100 minutes of your time. It's an hour and 38 minutes. There's really no fat here. Um, I, it's, you know, maybe you leave, like, I left just kind of, I left this, the, 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 the movie theater the first time I saw this. And then, you know, when I was rewatching it for the show in my bedroom, um, and the movie ended, I still, like, kind of had the same, like, just, just the buzz that you get when you watch something like, you know, you watch a movie and it ends so satisfying. You just like have to cycle your breathing a couple times and just yeah, like yeah, kind yeah. of return to the rest of your senses. You know, it it, 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 it happened for me twice and it happened for me twice across a six year period. I think that's pretty notable. I think this is a movie that does reward a, it, the, the, the patience and the amount of, you know, the patience and the attention that you can give to it. If you're in a situation where you can give your attention to something, <laughs> Are you a are you a diploma or Hitchcock guy? Like, do you feel strongly about those guys? Hitchcock was actually real. Like, my parents love Hitchcock movies, and so interesting. Yeah, okay. and my uh, my parents love Hitchcock movies. My aunt, my uh, aunt in particular, loved Hitchcock movies, and she would be watching us. We would get like Rear Window and stuff from the libraries. I have actually a Hitchcock um, collection, like I think like his Universal movies that I've had on DVD for like years since I was in high school. Um, it, and I do like De Palma movies a lot, even if like my favorite De Palma is probably Phantom of the Paradise. Like I like when he's a little kind of weirder and less doing the the kind of straight homage stuff to Hitchcock. Um, but I think that those movies are. If that's your thing, then you're and you haven't seen them, then you got to see those too. Are you not as hot on Hitchcock or De Palma? I'm not. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. De Palma. I'm trying. To, I got to pull up De Palma's uh, filmography here because I've just never been into it. And I feel like if you are a De Palma guy or a huge Hitchcock guy, Hitchcock guy, this movie's gonna be right up your fucking alley. Like I really do. Like I think that it, it has similar feel to to a to a Hitchcock thriller where it's very much rewards patience and very much like yeah it's i would it's a little tuned i would put it like uh let's say that um someone was like mason can you um you have to program a a double feature on a movie theater one of them has to be a hitchcock film and the other one has to be phoenix i don't know why this is the specific conditions for this but they're like what would you do it's like this is closer to the kind of more like um like 40s hitch like a slightly more romantic you know like notorious which is my 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 number one hitch uh i love notorious um because i think it's really interesting that he decided to make a a biggie smalls biopic uh yeah that was very 50 years before biggie small before biggie smalls was born uh or they called him they they called him big old small guy (laughs) just like in that voice to their come here big old small guy and then he shoots them in the fucking head with a gun right away it's the first time they ever shot a gun in a movie uh, I've only seen four De Palmas, actually. I thought I had seen more. I'd seen Scarface, but not for a long, long time. I watched that movie right. when I was like 13 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you saw a poster and you're like, that movie looks epic. 
I saw Peter Griffin in the Scarface <laughs> poster at, at Spencer's Gifts. Oh, was true. Like, what was Pete? What was Peter holding in the Goodfellas man? In the in the uh, oh no Scarface no no it's, it's Homer. It's Homer is okay. That's what I was gonna say because it's like because Homer's holding the donut instead of the gun. I'm like, what would Peter Griffin be holding in that scenario? He doesn't have like a <laughs> uh, an accessory. He'd be holding a beer probably because uh, he drinks alcohol. Uh, that's his whole thing. Uh, I've seen Scarface, Mission Impossible, The Untouchables and Blowout. And none of them have done it for me, really. The one I like the most okay. of those is Blowout. Uh, you haven't even because... seen Carrie? No. Oh, interesting. No. No, of course. Okay, no. okay. I was just wondering. <laughs> no. Motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, shut the fuck up. I would like to see Hi Mom a lot. I think Hi yeah. Mom looks very interesting. Uh, and so does Sisters. Sisters is kind of interesting. Phantom of the Paradise is a lot of fun. I yeah, love like Phantom of the Paradise. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, add it to a list right now. Uh, but I pers- Oh, it's already on my list. Check out that. Um, I think that Hitchcock as the man is more interesting than his movies, truthfully. It's kind of one of those situations for me. I haven't seen a ton of Hitchcocks. I've seen North by Northwest, which is probably yeah. the most recent one I've seen. And, you know, whatever. I watched it. I wasn't blown away by any means, but it is a classic, so you have to watch it. Uh, and then also, you know, Psycho, Rear Window, right. Vertigo, like all the classics. I've never done a deep dive on him because yeah. I just don't think he's that interesting. Ultimately, I respect the craft and I respect what he did for cinema, yeah. but he's not. I just don't find him all that interesting. Same with De Palma, and I think that this is adjacent to that almost. Yeah, Phoenix is. It, yeah, yeah. The thing with Hitchcock is it's like he's he was um, one of the first, like I guess, celebrity directors, you know, or one of the biggest ones for a little bit there. Um, and it is just kind of notable that he was given so much money and so much power from studios to just basically put his, like, psychosexual complexes on screen for, like, yeah. 40 years. You yeah. Know, 30. We wouldn't have Tarantino without that. True. True, though. Facts. True. Um, I love this movie. I really think that it's uh, a great movie. I, it's on the Criterion channel, and I think that if you're looking just for something on that service that's maybe a little more contemporary, um, this would be the one that I would it point it point people to if you want, like, uh, a more suspense kind of thing. Um, if that's not quite your your bag, but it, that's 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 where I'm at with it. Have you ever seen another Christian Petzold movie, or is this the only uh, one? I have. I've seen Transit, which was his film from, I think, That was the one he did after, right? Uh, yes, I did not. I've not seen Undine yet. Transit is a little... I, transit would piss you off. <laughs> I'll just say that. Uh, yep. Transit would piss you off. <laughs> I'm really, I love that you know that about me, Mason. That's yeah. so good. Uh, this movie, I think, if you are not as hot on the kinds of things that we're talking about, I think it's still worth a watch. I don't think this movie, I'm not going to, I don't what did I say? I have a very special recommendation for this movie, given my circumstances, huh. but... Again, I don't think this this movie is not bad. This is not a bad film. I don't think this film is evil. I don't hate this movie. Uh, it just is kind of one of those movies where the cards are a little bit stacked against me just based on my tastes and a little bit based on just what I know that I like about movies, what I know that I don't like as much about movies. But there is no fat on this movie. Uh, it is slow at times, but it, it does reward a patient viewer. So if it sounds interesting what we've talked about today this probably is up your alley and the ending is very good it does live up to the hype I think in a lot of ways but Mason can I hit you with some fast facts I love some fast facts thank you here we go Phoenix 2014 German drama directed by Christian Petzold loosely adapted from the 1961 novel Le Retour des Cendres 
in English, The Return from the Ashes, by French author Hubert Montillet, I believe is how you say that. Hubert Montillet. Uh-huh. Ho, ho. The novel was freely adapted into the 1965 J. Lee Thompson film, Return from the Ashes, which Mason has also seen. Shout out to Mason for that one. Uh, the film marks the sixth collaboration between Christian Petzold and Nina Haas, as well as being the second film in which Haas and Zerfield star opposite each other after Barbara in 2012, which was the movie he did right before. Mm. The screenplay was co-written by Petzold and Haran Faraki. It was the last screenplay of Faraki's career. Faraki was a former teacher and director of Christian Petzold at film school and contributed to several of his screenplays. But Faraki is a very interesting guy, very much an art filmmaker, very much like making socially conscious films. I've never seen mm. any of his movies, but he's worth a Wikipedia. Got worth it. a Goog, Got as it. I would say. I'm always saying it's worth a Goog. That's something I'm always saying on this Yeah, podcast. I really wish the, I really wish you would stop saying that. I really wish that you would stop calling me at, at 2 in the morning my time and saying, like, yeah. it's worth a Goog. And I'm like, what's worth a Goog? And you're like, it's worth a Goog. And then I hang up and I scream. I, I, I think I've hung up and I'm like, all right, well, time to jack off. <laughs> and then you can, hear, you can hear an entire jack off sesh for me, which is pretty cool. That's real. Phoenix was given limited <laughs> release. In, <laughs> Phoenix was given a limited release in two theaters under Sundance Selects on July. In two theaters, is that true? Maybe what initially, the and then it probably went a little slightly wider to like the more arty market. That but just was, hit me that it was two theaters. That's probably true though. Okay, so two theaters under Sundance Selects on July twenty fourth, twenty fifteen, where it grossed twenty eight thousand two hundred ten dollars during the weekend, as of thirtieth. That's pretty What's impressive. That? That's pretty impressive. That's a good haul. That is for two theaters. That is impressive. Uh, as of October thirtieth, twenty fifteen, the film has earned a gross of three million one hundred forty three thousand six hundred seventy seven in North America. Does it say making what those it two one of the were? no, it does not, okay. as far as I was concerned. But it makes it one of the highest grossing German films in the United States in recent memory, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, according to Christian Petzold. Phoenix is the second chapter of his trilogy called Love in Times of Oppressive Systems. The trilogy also includes Barbara and Transit. To me, that is probably the historical aspect of this movie is probably what I like most about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just thinking about it in terms of Mm -hmm. World War II and post-World War II Germany. Mm -hmm. And then I got three little snippets. He did an interview with Criterion uh, in... Like, I think in the wake of Transit coming out, like, in prep for that. So mm-hmm. this is probably 2018. This is done by a woman named Hillary Weston. Uh, and I got three snippets from that. So the first snippet is her question, what was the first film you fell in love with? His response, I must say it was The Jungle Book when I was seven years old. I'm not joking. <laughs> it actually says I'm not joking in there. Uh, I lived in a small town and my parents left me at the cinema because they wanted to buy something or have lunch by themselves. The film made such a big impression because it's filled with colors and choreography. And it actually has something to do with transit and that there is also a boy at the center of it who doesn't have any parents and is all by himself. Hmm. That resonated very deeply with me. That's very cool. I like that. Uh, the second little snippet is a little bit longer question, which is after seeing Transit, reading the book, revisiting your films, then going back to the book again, I was struck just by how much atmosphere of the novel can be found throughout your body of work. I know you and Faraki spent a lot of time with it over the years. Can you tell me a bit about how you interpreted the novel cinematically? Before I wanted to make a book, a movie out of the book, Huron and I spent 15 years reading it together and rereading it. But after I decided to make a movie about it, I never read it again. When I'm writing, I like to not revisit the original book. I've read that Eisenstein and Rossellini had very big beds because that's where cinema starts for them, on the borderline between being awake and dreaming. You can often find people in movies reclining in their sofas in the middle of the afternoon. That is the cinema time of day. 
So with transit, I wrote down what I could remember from the book, which was important to me, or what was important to me, rather, without reading Anna Seger's work again. Later, I was astonished that my friend said that some scenes were exactly like the book. Hmm. I think that's super cool to have read the book so many times and then just say, all right, now I'm going to write my script and then never look at the book again and be like, I'm just going to write down what was important to me. I think that is the I think that's the coolest way to adapt. Something. That's pretty I boss. That's awesome. I really respect him as a filmmaker. I know tran- Transit would piss you off, but it's a pretty audacious movie that I just have a baseline appreciation for. And st- technically, that guy's two for two for me. Uh, I need to see Barbara and Undine, but that I liked that that was his process, and I liked that he just like kind of absorbed the movie or the book or the source after you know from doing it so much. It seems cool. It is very cool. I got one more little snippet, and then we'll do it into Mercedes Valuable Players and Recommendos, mm-hmm. but. Uh, she then asks, what is it about transient spaces, border zones, hotel rooms, train cars that attract you as a storyteller? He then goes on to say, these spaces look like they have something to do with a Voyager journey, but for me, they feel very fixed in space and time. There's no development. Yesterday, I was in Heathrow for 22 hours. This is a shit place in the world, but it's filled with images of waterfalls and beautiful women and advertising for wellness. Yet nothing is happening. You're dying there. Capitalism makes all of the world the same. It tells you that just around the corner there's an adventure, but there's nothing. So cinema has to find the adventure. That is so fucking cool. Yeah. That's so fucking awesome. Let's, maybe let's I, go. Maybe, maybe let's Christian go. Petzold is the next installment of filmmakers who I think are cooler than their movies for me, which is De Palma <laughs> is and Hitchcock club? as well. Both <laughs> oh, De Palma sure, and Hitchcock. Sure, sure. Uh, also, Orson Welles a little bit, but I have not dug far enough into the Orson Welles camp. I'm sure Christian Petzold would be, if you wanted to put Christian Petzold and said, oh, you're on the same level as Brian De Palma and Alfred Hitchcock for me and said nothing else. <laughs> he would fucking, he would eat that shit up. He'd be like, what yeah. do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? Would you like to be in my next motion picture? Would you no, like me French. to give you the, would you like me to give it a goo? Yeah, would, you like <laughs> would you like to be in my next motion picture? Yeah, him and Werner Herzog hanging out. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, my Mercedes Valuable Players, Nina Gloss. Excuse me. Is it, Nina Haas. It's Nina, Nina Haas. Nina Haas. Excuse me. Uh, she's unbelievable in this. Yeah. She's unbelievable. Uh, and that's all I really have to say. You just have to watch it sort of to see it. But she is so good at the self-deception that Mason's talking about, but also playing the subtext of the scene so that it almost doesn't even feel like subtext. It feels like that's what the scene's really about. It is a truly remarkable performance, and, you know, because it was such a, you know, it was an independent, it was an independent uh, film, or basically released, it's a foreign film, whatever the fuck, um, didn't get a ton, she, to my memory, did not get a ton of just sort of, like, awards attention, but it's one of my favorite. It's such a shame that the other, um, the other, you know, you have 45 Years, which is an incredible Charlotte Rampling performance, and you got the two Carol ladies. Not wanting for great female performances in 2015. Um, let's, and let's look and see who was nominating, nominated for Alicia. I'm tr- I think that that was the year that that Alicia, that Brie Larson won for Broom. Um, and it was the year that um, there was that category fraud and Rooney Mara was Best Supporting Actor for Care, Actress for Carol and Kate Blanchett was Best Actress for Carol. Yes, that she is the name of the movie, but it's uh, Rooney Mara's fucking movie. Damn. In any case, Wait, um, hold on. So what? Are, okay. Wait, are we looking? Are we looking at? It's the. Tw- it would have been the 2016 Oscars. Yes, right? the 2016 ceremony. The 2016 okay, that ceremony. is what. Okay, so that's what we're looking at here. Okay, so that would have been. Here we go. That would have been winners and nominees, best actress. Okay, so yeah, Brie Larson win for Room, Kate Blanchett and Carol, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. 
Oh, wow. wow. I did not like Joy. I Rocky Barrito is good. hooting and hollering. <laughs> I don't even think Rocky likes Joy. I think Rocky likes Joy, actually. Rocky, when you hear this, you can DM me but and to remind me, but I'm pretty sure that Rocky is one of the few Joy heads that I know out there. That movie sucks shit. Uh, 45 <laughs> years. <laughs> 45 years starring Charlotte Rampling and Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn. Oh. I love Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn, and I love I love Shearsha. I love that performance. Shearsha, my name is Shearsha Ronan. My name is Shearsha Ronan. Yeah, that's a pretty stacked category. I mean, yeah. I think you could easily take Jennifer Lawrence out and put Nina Haas in. I think yeah. that is the obvious sort of thing you do there, but a great performance nonetheless from Nina Haas. And I am going to give this movie a do not recommend yet. I do oh. not recommend this movie yet. Because like of the conditions that I have to watch it under. And so it's of... not a conditional recommend. <laughs> it's a re- it's the conditional recommend is don't listen while you're don't watch this movie while your neighbor is leaf blown. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch this. Don't start this movie when you're tired. It actually does demand a shit ton of your attention. You have to be focused on this movie. You're not gonna catch what's happening. You, you have to just be fully on. You can't. Yeah. Like, it's not. You're just not gonna throw it on and like have a good time. Quote unquote. It demands your attention. So I am, but I'm not ready to write this movie off yet as a movie that I don't think that I would like or not recommend to people. So I'm not ready to recommend the movie yet. That is my recommendation. Okay. I kind of like that though. I like that. That's a nice little little twist there. Um, I am going to give this one. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player. I'm going to do a co-Mercedes Valuable Player. Damn, Mason. Uh, of course, Nina Haas. Uh, movie kind of. Um, it is it, a. It's a remarkable performance. The. Uh, you know, it, it's it's one of the, it's a true transformation watching this woman basically return to herself and then um, you know, go off on her way there. Um, hard to oh, do. You know what? Hmm. I'm sorry to interrupt. A very similar kind of thing to Paris, Texas, in a lot of ways. Oh, that would I be an interesting I'm... double feature. Oh. That would be, you know what? I'm kind of the same as you. I am a do not recommend Paris, Texas yet. There's some conditions around that movie that that means I haven't seen it all the way through. Um, but um, I like that. That be that would be a good double feature, I think. In any case, Nina Haas is great, and also shouts out to the color red. I think this movie uses the color red really beautifully. Shout out um, to the color red, and I love the color red. So shouts out to that. I am going to give this one. A full recommend. I love this movie. I'm really enthusiastic about it. Um, and I kind of want to put my whole weight behind it. Maybe it's not quite for you, but you know what? If my word is worth anything, I think this one would be worth your guys' time. Is that the show? Yeah. Did you say you've never seen Paris, Texas before? Not all the way through. You got to watch that movie like as soon as possible. Maybe Great that's what movie. I'll do. Hey, it's a nice day in Chicago. I need to do some grocery shopping. I probably will do grocery shopping, go for a long walk, and maybe I'll unwind with some Paris, Texas before I start my uh, Monday shift. <laughs> Not really an unwind kind of movie. Just going to really just make that very clear. But listen, of you have to see that movie yeah. all the way through without a break in between. That is a pretty, that is a very incredible movie for a lot of different reasons. So Hell yeah. maybe that double feature that I pitched will make more sense. But Mason. We did the show, and it's your turn to give us some plugs. So plug away. Folks, thanks for listening to the show. Bump the mic there a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, can, you really did, but I you, love that. You can, um, you can follow the show at the links in the description. Don't forget to rate, like, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Shoot us an email. Everybody wants to. The number two, get on the list at gmail.com. Very close to having some other fun stuff in the yes. pipeline for you guys. Um, so keep an eye out. 
on the socials for that. Maybe in between recording and when the episode drops, it will already have dropped. This is a fun announcement, and this is just us being really coy. But in any case, keep an eye out on the social medias. Uh, you can find it Instagram, in the link tree, Twitter, same place. You can find me on Letterboxd, on Instagram, at The Barn, a podcast about the shield, um, or just walking around the streets of Chicago, as I normally do. Has that waiting... final episode of the, of the Barn dropped yet, yet or not? Uh, not yet, not yet. Uh, in a couple weeks, I think. Um, it's been recorded for a while, but it's just a schedule and stuff, you know, as it happens. It's podcasting. It's podcasting. You get it done when you get it done. Um, yeah. But um, in any event, that is where I'm at. Um, I believe actually my the episode that I was on my sister's podcast, uh, old friends who just met, where we talked about the Muppet Caper, but basically just Car- Charles Broden for an hour yeah, and yeah, twenty yeah. minutes. Um, that will be out very shortly if it isn't out by the time this episode comes out. So be on the lookout for that. Um, otherwise, Noe, I know you have some stuff you got to say, so I will clear the room for you, Chef. Yes, Chef. Thank you very much. Uh, as always. You can listen to my other podcast. It's on the list. But I'm going to get to that here in just a sec because I have a very exciting announcement. Your other podcast that's on the list? My other podcast, it's on the list. You fucking heard me, Mason. You fucking heard me. My other podcast, my favorite podcast. But, of course, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at Noah Marger on Twitter, at Noah.Marger on Instagram, at Moa Narger on Letterboxd. You can listen to my other podcast, finally, my favorite podcast, a podcast about people's favorite things. This coming week, you can listen to an episode that I recorded with the one, the only, Willa Rydell, about America's Next Top Model. After that, I'm saying this because I'm not going to be on the show for a little bit, so listen up, folks. Uh, After that, we got an episode with Alan Macchiarolo about a video game called Titanic. The Legend of Something or the Story Continues, I think it's called. Haven't recorded that wait yet. To see to hear what this episode <laughs> what this is. Titan I believe it's called Titanic the Story Something. I don't know. I don't care. I haven't I haven't done the episode yet. I haven't done my research about it yet. But that episode will be coming out next week. And then in June, you are gonna get if you listen to this show and also my favorite podcast, get ready. You have a very special treat about to be happening. I'm gonna tell you exactly what we're doing in June because I have recorded all of the episodes of my favorite podcast for June. July, we will probably be taking off, probably the beginning of August as well. But, Mason and friends, here's what we got coming up in June for my favorite podcast. Coming back to the show for the first time, well, not really the first time, coming back to the show to do his own solo app for the first time, we got Rocky Pajarito back on Let's the show. Let's go. Let's go. Friend of ours, friend of the show, friend of the other show. We will be talking about the films of Andrew Bujalski. Let's go. Let's go. We're talking about those. I think specifically we're talking about results, uh, computer chess, and Your favorite movie. One of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, so look soon for that. That's going to be first week of June. Week after, we're talking to my good friend. He was the first ever guest on my favorite podcast. He's coming back. Alexander Barrett. A little bit more of a reflective episode on that one. We will be sort of talking about the silver lining, things we learned during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, also extending into 2021. So sort of talking about what we learned, some, you know, silver lining that we took out of that year. It's a very good app, a little bit more serious, but a very good app nonetheless. Then the week after, you know them, you love them. We will be talking to friend of this show and friend of the other show, Kelly Kripe. Let's go, Kelly. We'll be talking about Hot Wheels on that. A very, very good episode. Very fun, very silly, very sincere episode. And then to round out June, to round out Fuck You, It's June, Uh we will be having the man himself, 
Mr. Thomas Saradarian, back on the pod to be discussing 1997's Blink-182 album, Dude Ranch. Oh, A very boy. important album to our friend Thomas. Recording that episode later today, actually. Uh, very excited to get that one on the books. Can't wait. Thomas is always a very fun guest to have on the show. But that's June, my friends. That's June. July, part of August, we taking off. But you got some stuff for June. Been working very hard this last month to make sure that June is basically taken care of. So I hope that you enjoy those shows. I think all of those episodes are very, very good. Excited to go on this trip. Excited to come back strong with more episodes once I am back. Mason, I have a fun little announcement to tell you off mic actually about coming back. But those are all my plugs. Mason, take us out. Folks, as always, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, free motherfucking Palestine, um, solidarity with all oppressed peoples anywhere, uh, fuck the cops, fuck those in power, fuck the president, but love your neighbors, love your friends, love your family. Tell one of those folks that you love them this week. And we will see you all, or I will see you all, next time. See you guys. People expect you to fall, hit that same old wall. Really, they don't want to help at all. They talk behind your back today, shake their heads and say, Well, I always knew that the ball would come to no good anyway. You better pack up and go, Detroit or Buffalo. Anybody want a way you don't know, you don't know. gotta go sometime and I'm taking this train to the end of the line missing every mile that friend of mine I haven't been to well myself a lot of time on the shelf saying that I don't I wish I could see you again sometime, but I, I better pack up and go to Troy to Buffalo. Anybody want to know where? I don't know. I don't know. No. God knows everybody gotta go sometime. And I'm taking this train to the end of the line. In every mile, that friend of mine. Hard to open up the door like you've done so many times before. Sometimes you think you just can't do it anymore. Take a chance and take a train out into the pool.
And I'm taking this train to the end of the line Missing every mile that friend of mine Missing every mile that friend of Oh shit, we gotta kill the rat! <laughs>